Hi, uh, welcome to the Christians in Sport podcast, the podcast where we get people who have been involved in competitive, top-level sports whilst following Jesus, and we ask them how their faith and their sport fits together. If you do enjoy our podcast, hopefully uh, this may be the first time you're listening. If so, welcome. If not, then uh, do uh, subscribe, pass it on, like, rate, do whatever your podcast app lets you do. Uh, it helps others see it. Uh, we also, uh, I'm not sure we told you this for a while, put the video of each interview on our YouTube. Just search for Christians in Sport on YouTube uh, if you'd like to see uh, who you're listening to. But today, uh, we've got a great interview. We're across the seas, many time zones away in Australia today, as we speak with a former Volley Roo, an Australian indoor volleyball player, Jenny Tate. Uh, Jenny played all across the world and now having retired is studying at Moore Theological College in Sydney, working as a mental health ambassador for the Australian Institute of Sport and the Black Dog Institute. Uh, and in this interview, you're going to hear about how it took years of training and perseverance to make it at the top of her sports, how she became a Christian at college away from home and how that then transformed her understanding and playing of her sports. It's a great conversation. Uh, so let's dive in now. We're going to join Graham Daniels speaking with Jenny Tate. Uh, good. So I've got Jenny Tate uh, class. Uh, we're a few hours apart because she's in Sydney and I'm in Cambridge. Let me give you a bio of his class. Uh, 66 caps as a middle blocker for the Australian women's indoor volleyball team, the Volley Roos. Uh, in that period, in 2017, the FIVB Volleyball World Cup Grand Prix 2018, the FIVP Volleyball Women's Challenger Cup. She travelled, played in the USA uh, for Campbell University in the NCAA for three or four years, four years in the States. Played in Europe, played in Belgium, played uh, in European volleyball, played in the Belgian Cup final. She retired in 2020. I know she doesn't look like she's old enough, uh, but she did. Uh, and uh, now she's studying theology at Moore College in Sydney. So, uh, Jenny, that is a full sporting life. You know the first question, always the same one. Here it is, in your sporting life, how have your sport and faith been connected? Mm, that's a great question. And my faith and sport have been like tied together more than I think maybe most have. I became a Christian through sport. And so I think um, from the get-go, they're tied together. And so it was quite interesting in trying to leave sport as well and making sure that they're still tied together, but also separate. And so I think as Christians, we're supposed to live all of life as Christians. And so faith and sport are glued together always. Let, let's start yeah. with sport then. Yeah. i to pin you down in your career highlights. I think I've chosen a couple. I've left out the Olympic qualifiers, as you can yeah. see. <laughs> Uh, what would you say now in hindsight were your highlights? Of course, they don't have to yeah. be the ones I picked. No, I think, I think there's two. The Olympic qualifiers is one, but the first one in history was the one you mentioned of the FIV Grand Prix in 2017. Um, we That was my first big international tournament, so my first start. Um, we had a massive uh, win, the first one in 19 years. Um, in a stadium where we'd sung the national anthem with no backing, just squeaky Australian voices in a Mexican stadium who had no idea what we were singing. Uh, but I think that uh, was a big turning point for our team. And so that's a huge memory and just like enjoying the sport to the max. Um, and then obviously Olympic qualifiers as well. We qualified for them by beating our um, arch nemesis New Zealand, the ones just across the ditch. So it's always a fun win. 
Um, and I think, again, just seeing the sport move forward in Australia means such a career highlight as well. How did you get into volleyball in the first place? How did that, was mm. it something else? You must have been a good athlete in all sorts of ways, obviously. So <laughs> how did you do that? I was not a good athlete in all sorts of ways. Uh, it was just quite a fun part of my story as well. Um, I, you can't tell when I'm sitting down, but I'm six foot two, six foot three, quite tall. Um, and so at high school, they uh, said, come along, try out for volleyball. You've got the height for it. So I had been thrown in. My parents had thrown us into everything. So I went along and tried it out. And I absolutely loved the sport and the teamwork behind it, I think. Like there's it's quite a sacrificial sport. You need each member of the team to make anything work. Um, and so I was tall. And so I got given a few chances. Um, and so kind of started out, started out as this long giraffe who didn't know where the end of their limbs were, um, but kind of worked hard um, and was persistent to kind of make it further. So help, help people in other sports, because of course people from across sports listen yeah. to this. We all mm-hmm. know in competitive and certainly in high level elite sport, I mean, you've got to mm-hmm. stay in your lane. You've got to know your job, yeah. really yeah. got to know your job. Did you, did you, how long did it take you uh, to really, really get the role of the middle blocker to, to yeah. a T? How, how, how long did that take? Mm. I thankfully was thrown into that position pretty early on. Um, I kept, people kept trying to throw me back out, but then would put me back in that position. But it was from, from when I started until maybe, ooh, uh 10 years later until things clicked. Um, in about 2014, 2015 is when things clicked. And when they clicked, they really clicked. Everything, that 10 years of hard work kind of all fell into place then. So, yeah. I'm thinking about younger viewers and listeners now. Mm. Uh, yeah. Because when a woman who's played top, top level, global level yeah. in a mm. sport says it took me 10 years to really nail down mm. my position. Mm. Um, yeah. You don't often think of that when you're younger, right? You, you, you think no. you're not in position. Um, yeah. Give me, give us, yeah. go on, give us real detail now. Give us one yeah. of the moments when you thought, gosh, why didn't I realise that I have to do that as a middle blocker? <laughs> Can you think, think of one of those? I think one of them was, as a middle blocker, this is very specific to the sport, but um, you have two hands to block, not just one that works together. So knowing that I could um, use them independently to be more aggressive in the defense was something I wish I'd understood way earlier because you're just taught to kind of swing them both together and move them up together. But I think that wasn't something that clicked until they are independent. We all know that as human beings in all sports, but they actually can work together, but independently, even as your one unit. But I think that was something I didn't expect. I also don't think I've ever been asked how long until things clicked before. So I'm reflecting on the 10 years of the first time ever. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I, it's a it's a really helpful thing for people as careers develop, isn't it? Were, were you yeah. in the national team at that point? No, I wasn't. Um, I made the national team in 2017. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I wasn't really on the scene either. I was on the very, very skirts of the broader scene in the national team and junior development stuff, but wasn't on the top pick scene as a junior either. Like I think that's something for juniors in that working. You don't know when it's going to click. Some click early, but you don't always know. So there is an element of persistence and waiting for things to click. Well, what happened then? 
that's, yeah. a, that's great for all of us to hear. Uh, you you were yeah. just a kid who just went whoosh, straight up. No, to the not at all. What happened? I think one of them was I went to college in America and I had a chance to train more hours than I'd ever had before. We did like four, four hours of some sort of training every day. Um, and there was an element also where this is where my faith comes in and I need people to hear this clearly. Um, I became a Christian and so my identity was no longer tied to volleyball. It was still a really important part of me, but I had a bigger identity. So I was freed up to play volleyball and just enjoy it rather than be perfect at it. And so in that enjoyment, I actually became better. There was less pressure and I got to enjoy figuring out all the nitty bitty, nitty gritty parts of the technique um, and what other teams did and how to think in the sport. Okay, so so let's break that down, uh, Jenny. That's really mm. helpful. Let's not lose part two of this question. Part one is, how did you become a Christian in the States, yeah. a couple? Uh, and yeah. then remind me uh, and the listener and viewer that we want to talk about how you learned that lesson about fulfillment and security mm. uh, yeah. and at what speed you learned that. So let's go first. How yeah. did you come to Christian faith in at Campbell? Yeah. Um, yeah. So one of my coaches um, and teammates did a Bible study and um, there are elements where I don't remember fully, but there are elements where I do. And I think I was searching for something bigger. Um, I'd heard of Christianity and of Jesus before, but nothing had really clicked. I'm sure people had shared things before, but nothing had clicked. And I was eager to learn. I was in a new place, a fresh start. Um, and so there was um, this first Bible study I went along to with teammates. They gave me a um, nice large Bible. Um, and I remember opening it and she told me after we read something, don't remember what we read, but we read something and she told me I needed to um, highlight what stood out to me. And my question was, wait, you want me to figure this out myself? You're not going to tell me? Uh, and then unfolded lots of questions of about how I needed to have a personal relationship with Jesus, who I needed to know um, my rebellion against God and who Jesus was in fixing that uh, through there. So somewhere in February to March of um, 2014 is when I became a Christian. So, yeah. Was it a teammate who read the Bible with you? It was both probably a coach and a teammate. Gotcha. There's two of them. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and how long do you think that process of a knowing they were a Christian, because mm. you had obviously beforehand, and actually yeah. looking at the Bible and working some things out for yourself with their help? How yeah. long that process? Four or five months. They were new Christians as well, and they just wanted everyone to know about Jesus. So they lived fully. There was not a moment you didn't think that they were a Christian, and so that was really intriguing. I think seeing them live it out with all of their life and be like, oh, you really believe in this. Mm. You've changed your whole life for this. Tell me more about it. Mm. Do you think that's wiring, the way they behaved? Did you behave like that? Mm. Became a Christian? Is it personality? Is it wiring? What do you make mm. of, of that? As in when you become a Christian, is it? Yeah, how you how you talk, how you tell. Oh, yeah. Is that a wiring yeah. thing? What is that? I think it's part of um, trusting Jesus more than trusting other things. So I think it takes time. I think some people it's really quick 
because mm. they've, there's some something that's clicked. So for me, um, life looked pretty different pretty quickly, but I was in a very easy place to do that in the South of America where um, lots of people are Christians. So it didn't, I didn't stand out as different um, in that. So it was quite easy click. Um, but for others, it's not necessarily a quick, easy click. We don't know how our growth moves across our life. Even things now are slowly growing yeah. and changing. Sorry for interrupting. Really hope you're enjoying uh, the podcast so far. Uh, Jenny, uh, we're going to hear a little bit later, is looking to set up a network of elite Christian athletes in Australia uh, in time and think that through what it looks like to support elite athletes uh, who follow Jesus in Australia. Uh, here in the UK, we're really grateful that that already exists and you can sign up for that network if you're in top-level sports or networks for amateur sports people, students and parents and you can do that at christiansinsport.org.uk forward slash networks. Networks meet regularly uh, where you can chat with others in similar situations, you can pray together, look at the Bible uh, and you can sign up, as I said, and find yours now at christiansinsport.org.uk forward slash networks. Let's get back. Uh, to Graham and Jenny. Yeah. Uh, interesting uh, about meeting Christians uh, when you're at, at college in the States. Um, tell us about going to church there, uh, because mm. presumably it wasn't common for you in any way. And what happened when you came home uh, to mm. Australia? Yeah. Uh, my church in America, I don't know how to answer it, but that God's kindness, the pastor's wife, um, minister's wife was Australian. And so in the middle of nowhere country town, it was wonderful to have two Australians. Um, and so they sent me out ready to keep supporting me as I didn't know where I was headed. Um, the plan was to come back to Australia, but we heard that I lived in Europe as well. And so they helped me find a church back in Australia. Um, they um, yeah, did all sorts of call outs to everyone they knew. Uh, I landed back in the church in Australia. And the hard thing was, is that they didn't know who I was. They didn't know that I was committed as a Christian. And so it took a while and I had to be slow with them and letting them know how to love me and letting them know how I could serve them. So that meant joining the mum's Bible study, even though I was not a mum um, and rocking up to church in my full gear because I had to run straight to training or getting a call. I had to leave church halfway through and being okay with that because that was how I could get to church that day um, and letting them slowly learn. I think Australia has a long way to go in this in learning how to love athletes well uh, and shift work as well, like lots of different categories, but athletes well in their commitment to Jesus and their community in that way. Yeah. Uh, let's go back to that uh, opening point you made then. So you mm. come to faith in Christ uh, through coach teammate. Mm -hmm. um, your instinct immediately was there was a security and, and a, an identity that you'd received mm. did that take away the pressure of performance the the tension mm. the tensions of sport mm. it took about a year for the tension of sport to change mm. i think i think there was still there was an identity shift but the tension of sport and seeing them as um, being a christian and how that can help me play and be a better volleyball player in I can be better in all of my identities by living freely in them because I have a identity that's never going to change. Um, so it took about a year before it, the tension and the, the pressure to, I think I lived in a life of, oh, now I'm Christian. Now I have to be a really good volleyball player. I have to be even better until realizing actually, no, this identity meant I could be more free in this identity of a volleyball player. 
And so it was about a year. Yeah. Unpack the identity uh, point mm. for for us. Mm. What do you mean yeah. by identity and, and liberation for your identity? Yeah. What does that mean? What, mm. Why is it consuming? Why was it consuming mm. you to, to be a volleyball mm. player? Yeah, I think... Um, I think it's a big thing for me and it continues to be a big thing for me. My identity is a struggle. I still continue it, but I think as um, as someone who's tall, as someone who's um, got red hair, you can kind of see my um, Scottish roots here, um, and someone who was living in a country where it wasn't my home, it kind of stood out. My identity was what people saw. And so being freed from that, being freed from an identity of what others put on me and then what I put on myself um, was really freeing. Um, yeah. Very good. Jenny, let, let, I'm going to probe that a bit because you, you, you're clearly mm. a confident person. What, what, let me un- mm-hmm. push you on that then. So I'll put it bluntly. Are you saying because you became a, an international level, 66 cap uh, player for your country, that gave you a security in front of people that once they knew you played for Australia, that was a pretty safe mm. identity to put on stage anywhere. And it kind of covered mm. up anything else that you didn't necessarily want to be judged by. I think so at times, but I think it also, I think more, it felt a pressure to live up to that. I don't think I thought I should live up to that. I wasn't good enough to live up to that. Mm. And so, um, when I did let that identity down, sometimes it was a cover-up, but a lot of time I didn't think I was good enough for that identity. That's where. Yeah. 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 God, we, we watch our time here, but you you, you speak <laughs> uh, anybody who's played at the highest level like you, nearly everybody has imposter syndrome. Yeah. I mean, one or two don't, right? Because you know that yeah. it's <laughs> But when you know your place in yeah. the first 11, the... Uh, the, the first 15, the, the international mm-hmm. team, when you know you're only two bad games away from somebody replacing yeah. three, yeah. it's total insecurity. And no one outside, yeah. I'm talking rather than asking here, but but no yeah. one outside sees that. They just see Jenny Tate, uh, uh, who plays for Australia. Yeah. But the insecurities are deep, aren't they, for top-level athletes? They are. <laughs> they are. Your, yeah. Your job and your career is can be gone in minutes your your framework for life can be gone in yeah. three bad shots yeah so, yeah, yeah. W- worth us commenting commentating on mm. that right now and people are mm. listening they might pause on that and think hmm. mm. so i suppose when you're hearing jenny you were saying listen don't be fooled by somebody who's a really really high level international player they're frightened yeah. of injury they're frightened of a bad game they know mm. there's 20 people who want their jobs uh, yeah. And then there'll be a nobody, because <laughs> that's yeah. how it feels, right? So yeah. how did Jesus yeah. change it? Pin it down then. How does Jesus change this? Yeah, I think the big part is in what you just said there, the nobody. Like I'm always somebody to Jesus. We are always somebody to Jesus. He has He has come, he died, and he rose again so that we can know him, so that God can know us mentally. We're still in the image of God, whether we trust in Jesus or not, but we are, uh, there's a different relationship shift when we choose to trust in God um, and trust in Jesus as the one who saved us and forgives us. So um, that was, that's really huge. I think also as an athlete, you are trying to 
achieve this status and the bar keeps being moved higher and higher. But in scripture, it says that Jesus is going to continue to transform us until he returns. Like in Philippians, it's my, it was my first verse that I memorized ever. Uh, and it says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And as an athlete who's always trying to improve, always trying to get better, knowing that someone else is on your team in that and that they're going to do the bigger work than you could ever do is just incredibly free. Like better than any sporting moment you can ever think of. And it's hard to show it, but it's true. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so so this intern, so often in our conversations mm. in this podcast, we'll talk about uh, two separate ideas, but deeply linked, I think, in the way you've just said it. Mm. When an athlete, coach or athlete, meets Jesus Christ, there's a new safety. You're safe. You're not scared. You yeah. know who you are and you know you're loved independently of yeah. performance. That safety... And not being scared it is a really attractive thing when people are watching. I think, mm. and I'd like to move on to this with you, because mm. if you're safe, not mm. scared, you can serve, not just survive. Yeah. You've got space. You've got emotional mm. space. And yeah. he begin begins the good work in you, carries it through. It mm. seems to me, by the way, he liberates you to be safe. Mm. So there's a new freedom to serve your team, which is mm-hmm. it's authentic. It's not perfect, but there's an authenticity. Now, mm. I, I read your head coach, the Australian head coach, mm-hmm. comments mm-hmm. on you when you retired. Mm. And uh, he said something like, uh, yes, we see her for a professional excellence and expertise and, and huge contribution uh, to our national team at major championships. But what nobody ever saw was the way that she would welcome new players to the squad, write to them before they arrived, make sure that even the details of the kit were exactly right. If somebody didn't quite have the right stuff, she'd give it away. Talk about this liberation to serve your team, which is of Christ. Yeah. Um, It's completely of Christ. He denied himself to serve us and that's what, as a Christian, I'm trying to do as well, trying to imitate him in that. And I will never do it perfectly. I can do it authentically and I can apologize when I do it really poorly. But I think in in a team environment in life, we're created for relationships. We're created to um, relate to one another. And so serving one another is freeing. You take the identity off yourself and you, you get to love others. And so... Um, yeah, it's really cool that that's what he can remember of me because that's what I hope as a Christian, as a as a Christian in any environment that I'm more known for than just what I can do, but how I love and serve because of how Christ loved and served us really sacrificially. So you were known uh, mm. by your head coach and therefore by everybody in the squad, obviously, mm. for the way you conducted yourself and your servant. Christ mm. given servant heartedness, not just surviving. Mm. No. <laughs> um, Sometimes surviving with no sleep, but yes, still sure. surviving. Still, sure. still but, surviving. Yeah, but that's quite important, isn't it? Because you've yeah. you've said it and, and I can reaffirm it that, that of course there's no, there's no perfection here. That's yet to come. Yeah. There's a yeah. presence that makes <laughs> it possible by God's spirit. Yeah. 
you made a very clinical decision. And again, your head coach said when, when you left the Australian team and you retired in 2020, um, having told him you were retiring to his disappointment, you then said, but there's one thing, I will carry on with the Australian Institute of Sport uh, project with Black Dog uh, for teenagers in high school and mental yeah. health. And he said to Pickle Jenny, she's retiring, but she's certainly staying involved in the world around her to make a difference. Uh, you with a, a 20 odd, 27, I think, major uh, Australian athletes have been involved in this project. Um, tell us mm -hmm. more and why you're involved. Yeah. So in 2020, the um, Black Dog Institute, which is a mental health um, organisation, partnered with the AIS for the first time. It's been really cool to see them continue that. So they've just actually announced their 2023 lot of athletes. Um, but it meant we were going into schools, which in 2020 looked online instead. So reporting uh, online uh, to a school full of kids, but talking through how um, mental health, um, how we can be mentally fit. So how we can be aware of uh, thoughts uh, and feelings that are probably not so true and uh, put things in place uh, to make them more true. Um, I'm really passionate about it because I have struggled with mental health. Um, and so it is really key in, um, yeah, understanding better uh, how our mind can fail us, how our uh, emotions can fail us, um, but also how there's still so much to learn from it. And it doesn't mean you're done and broken, but that there's hope in that as well. So, yeah. You describe elegantly uh, a combination here of Christ, Christ giving you a, an internal and existential uh, degree of fulfillment and security. Uh, we've mm -hmm. talked about how because Christ is in you, there's an auth he gives you a degree of authenticity amongst your peers and mm -hmm. um, colleagues. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming this inevitably has led to numerous conversations, which we might call mm -hmm. witnessing or, or, or speaking yeah. of Christ driven by people asking you why, why you do this, yeah. why you do that. Uh, is that a normative yeah. experience as a result of being a Christian? Yeah, I think so. And I think it was, I think I was, uh, especially in my national team career, hopefully really, hopefully my team might say this, but hopefully they always felt like they could bring whatever question they had about my faith. So when we went on tour and we shared a room, I didn't do anything differently to what I would have done at home. I, I read my Bible in the morning and I prayed before the games and, I uh, they saw a different in my actions in different ways um, and so I think was always up for any conversation they were going to talk about as well never shied away from things and um, was ready to answer their questions which did turn into a bible study at one point with them which was really cool and we we I said they could ask any question they want and this list of questions they brought down I were huge uh, I didn't realize what I was putting myself in for but if I didn't know, we went back, I looked up, I asked for wise counsel, I asked for wisdom from others and um, came back with a bigger answer of things that I hadn't thought through either. Um, so, yeah. Well, I'm imagining that's precisely what you did to your coach and team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably. Yeah. I'm, sure, I'm sure you did the same, so you're ready for it, but it was your turn. <laughs> was, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we can't know if we don't ask. Uh, uh, precisely. No, it, it, it's delightful. Uh, really delightful hearing your story. Mm. Uh, let's come to where you are today, Zen. Uh, 
So mm-hmm. as I said at the beginning, uh, it's evening mm-hmm. in Sydney, it's uh, morning in London. Uh, you're at Moore College, Sydney, uh, a, a mm-hmm. renowned, esteemed uh, theological training institute. Uh, mm-hmm. What? Why the decision to go there? Uh, and then let's talk finally about your hopes for developing uh, the relationship mm-hmm. between the gospel of Christ and sport in your own country. Yeah. Uh, so when I left volleyball in 2020, I began a ministry apprenticeship. So taking two years to kind of begin preparing to share Christianity more fully to be in ministry. ministry. Um, It takes time. There is, we can have faith on just the littlest thing, but to be able to answer people's questions and walk alongside them, it takes a while to be equipped and be tested if you're, if you can go do that. So between that and then coming to college here, I think is preparing that to know the Bible deeper, to know it well, to know Jesus better, to know our God even more better. And my hope in that is that um, I can, uh, then go and support Christian athletes. Athlete, athletic world is you're taken away from the people who believe. Uh, often you won't have another Christian on your team. So being able to ready to go support Christian athletes as they're away from other Christians and um, in some hard times, uh, but also in ready to tell more people about Jesus. Um, if I think he's the best thing in the world. I want everyone to know about the best thing in the world. So uh, being equipped to go do that. So, yeah. Jenny, it's been a real privilege, real privilege chatting to you today. Uh, Thanks for having me. Well, I I know many people will be hugely encouraged by by the way you communicate your humility, your clarity on the Christian message and your ability to, by his strength, to live it out. And he's certainly begun the work and he's continuing it. Jenny Tate, thank you very much indeed. Thanks, Dano. Brilliant. Well, what an interview. What a conversation. Thanks so much to Jenny for her time. It was so encouraging to hear her story. Uh, I was really encouraged, challenged by it, uh, especially how her identity not being tied to her sport freed her up to really uh, enjoy it and flourish in it. Um, It's a challenge I know I face. Um, We've got a whole archive of podcast interviews with people just like Jenny, nearly 70 of those. Uh, You can find them in any podcast app. As I said earlier, you can find that on YouTube or or through any of our social media uh, and continue to think of what it looks like to connect your sport and your faith. Uh, We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.